Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Australian Jams. I'm Gemma Bastiani, as always, and I'm here talking to someone who has done pretty much everything in music, and I'm very keen to chat to them. I've got Ben Lee here. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'd like to apologize to your listeners for being a little congested with seasonal (laughs) allergies, but I will... Try and be articulate. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's okay. I've been very chaotic on this podcast in the past, so I think <laughs> they're used to that sort of thing. Okay. I should, I should describe to everyone: you've got a great background going on here. It's like a oh, yeah. mushroom field. It's a backdrop. Um, yeah, it's you know because once we realized that like we'd be doing all of the, my promo and everything, <laughs> you know, online. Yeah, I was like, well, we're gonna we've got strobe lights. I'm gonna be doing some little gigs, you know. And so we got a big, giant, hand painted prop, like set background, you know, of all these mushrooms. It's incredible. So, for those who don't know you, which is a travesty, can you give us a very brief one line intro as to who you are and what you do? Uh, I'm a singer songwriter, professional adventurer. Um, raconteur uh, and superhero. I mean, pretty accurate, <laughs> I would say. Um, so we're going to chat about your new single that by the time this comes out will have been out from the previous Friday. But what I did ask you to do was bring five of your or four of your favourite Australian releases. And yeah. we're not going to go into too much detail about the individual songs, but what you have brought is uh, an array of kind of early 90s, almost grunge Australian tracks. Is that how you would describe them? It was just like shit I grew up on that I loved yeah. and like it inspired me, you know, the kind of, there's a certain kind of um, Australian indie rock that was sort of like, I guess my roots. Yeah. So it's really interesting because the the new single born for this bullshit do you feel like it's almost an element of going back to that time in terms of the instrumental um it's a mix you know i think i think on the i think sonically where i'm at with this new song and the the album 
is it has a lot of collage elements that the mix of like home recording and studio recording and all of that, that is a real part of like my sort of lo-fi roots, but the actual album, we couldn't have made something like that back in the nineties because no one had all these brilliant home studios and laptops and everything. And, you know, but, but the principle of it is, uh, the, the principle of it is true to the way I started creating music at that point, early nineties, which was, what do I have? What can I make with it? Yeah. And, and not wanting it to be too slick and too polished, but let you feel like you're actually like in the excitement of the creative process with the musicians. So full disclosure, I played the new single for my mum, who's a very big fan her first comment was that the instrumental sounds more pronounced than she's ever heard from you before as a solo artist. Do you think that's an accurate descriptor? Um, well, I think what, I think my sense of aesthetics and uh, production and all of that has developed through the years. Like I've gotten more capable as a producer and more aware of what I like in all types of sonics, like, not just guitar and vocals, but how to, what kind of snare sounds do I like and synths and, you know, like, so yeah, it's definitely like, it's pretty full sounding and pretty, but I've, I've done a lot of, I've done some pretty like produced stuff before. I think the thing about when you've got a career as like long as mine is that it's very like, people have different interpretations of what type of music I make. Like there are some people who think of me as playing like just acoustic. Yeah. And that's the stuff they've listened to. And then there's other who's listened to like weirder stuff or more aggressive stuff or more sample based things. And I think there's room for a lot of different types of relationships to what I do. So it's not, it's not an entirely new idea, but, but she probably likes the more mellow acoustic kind of stuff, which there is some of that on the record. Yeah. Uh, you've you've talked about how this song was actually written in 2019 coming out now and you've kind of realized its relevance with the world that has existed post-2019. What was the feeling? Of, was it almost like you realised that there was this new meaning to it, so decided that it should be a single, or was it always going to be that song for you? I mean, it always felt like an important song for me, but for me it was much more personal. Like when I wrote it, it was almost that sense of like being in the music industry or getting older yeah. and just being like, I'm personally born for this bullshit. right whereas like now it's like we all have to have that attitude like we have to have a certain amount of swagger just to get out of bed in the morning yeah otherwise it's like hard to do so it's almost like the personal sort of adversarial relationship I had with like the world it it became everyone's story (laughs) in the last 18 months you know do you enjoy that aspect of people listening to something you've written and having their completely personal interpretation of what you've written that could be so separate to what it actually meant for you? Yeah, I do. And I even used to really like, before lyrics were up on Google and stuff, I used to like yeah. not putting lyrics in albums because I liked mishearing lyrics yeah. and I wanted my audience to mishear my lyrics. But now I've realized they just Google them. And they assume that whatever's up on Google is correct. So they don't really mishear it and enjoy that. Like for me, like Cigarettes Will Kill You, I've sort of told this story before that I Want a TV Embrace came from me mishearing a Fiona Apple lyric where she sang about my deviant ways. I thought she said my TV embrace. So 
the mishearing of it was my own creativity got engaged and I took it and jumped off. But, but now I think it's a bit less that because of everyone just Googling stuff. So I was like, I should just put the lyrics in there. But basically what I'm saying is, yes, I like the idea that it's not complete when I make it. It's complete when the audience completes it. Yeah. Well, and then that leans into the whole idea of, you know, the unfortunate COVID perspective of what this song will have for a lot of people, I imagine. Yeah. But the good thing is that it is very human in the sense that to be a 43-year-old believing that I'm currently making the best work of my career and standing up for myself in that way and being like, check this out, you know, like that's the same energy that we need to get through a lockdown. That's the yeah. same energy we collectively need to deal with climate change. Yeah, We kind of need to be unswervingly and almost delusionally positive, but with awareness, like not, not naive, you know? So well, solving yeah. attitude, right? Rather than yeah, a defeatist exactly. attitude. Yeah, exactly. And having some fun with it. Like I actually think you turn people off being a problem solver if it all feels really depressing. Mm-hmm. So I think making it fun and, and, and giving the idea that um, the attempt to transcend our personal and collective problems is actually fun. That is the process to be engaged with in an exciting way. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I come from a um, sport background in terms of media and women in sport in particular. So the whole thing is always people complaining about not enough coverage of women in sport rather than actually doing the coverage and the process of actually doing the coverage is the fun part. And then you get your answer from that. Do you see it kind of in that way as well? Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. I like that. Women in sport always in every podcast I ever do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry about that. I always take that. No, it's good. I like it. Um, The thing that I think a lot of people have noticed recently about you is your enthusiasm toward younger Australian artists or more emerging Australian artists, I should say, has that always been something you've focused very keenly on or is that something currently you're just really enjoying kind of leaning into? Uh, It's a mixture. I think as a 14 year old who got my break in the industry because Sonic Youth and the Beastie Boys were like, Hey, this kid's cool. Let's put out his records. Let's take him on tour. I had a very early appreciation of what it means to get that like cosign from an established artist. And I always just, what I was taught through my experience was that's part of the responsibility with success. Yeah. That if you get any kind of success, you go, okay, who can I bring with me? Yep. Who do I want to direct my audience's attention to? It's what Nirvana did. It's what, it's what like all, it's what David Bowie did. It's what like, all artists I loved do that as opposed to the, like, um, there's also like the Madonna model where you stay tapped into what young people are doing, but you sort of claim it as your own and yep. don't necessarily, you know, and I don't, I don't like that as much. Like I like the idea. So, so there's that, but then there's also the side that I was like the younger end of the Gen X culture, you know? Um, and so in a way, my sensibility were already a little bit separate from like Sonic Youth, Beastie Boys, Pavement, because they came from like the hardcore world of like record shops, indie rock touring, real tribal culture. Yeah. Whereas I came from the like picking through record stores and sharing them and being into like pop stuff and the Pet Shop Boys and camp culture and like all this kind of different stuff, right? 
And so I actually feel in, amongst younger artists who've grown up on streaming, yep. I actually feel like sort of more spiritually aligned in a way that like when I meet someone like Georgia Mack, who's like essentially like an underground artist who comes from, from the underground, but who says, I want to be the Australian Lady Gaga. I'm like, hell yeah. And you are (laughs) because that's how I felt. And it's now okay to, to want that. Like the, the way the underground and pop have merged is like irreversible now. But when I, when I came out of indie rock and then had like, I want Mandy Moore singing on my record. It was seen as like blasphemous. Mm -hmm. Whereas now that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's just a different, I, I relate to younger artists in that way. And there's the less rules. It's really interesting that you say that because this is a conversation we've had on the podcast a lot is the whole, uh, when did pop stop being kind of a blasphemous or uncool thing to like? And I feel like Cub Sport from Brisbane are very much a band that have been at the forefront of that is like pop is cool. It doesn't matter. You're still a legitimate musician if you make pop music. Do you see artists in Australia really kind of taking that on like Cub Sport have? Yeah. I mean, I think Mole Rat. Yep. is like that. Um, I think Thelma Plum's like that. I think Japanese wallpaper, all that stuff and that production is like that. The Greta Ray. Like, I think that, look, the other reality is we're in pretty small market in Australia. Yeah. And if you don't have pop success, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. Yeah. Like, like America and Europe are so big that you can have a tiny niche slice of the pie and make a living. If you have a tiny niche slice of the pie here, you're in a share house. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just the reality of it. So I think thinking on a scale that can get you at least in front of this whole country is like an imperative for survival as an artist here. Do you think that music is leading the way in that respect in terms of um, liking what is something that is popular is fine now people are taking more ownership of that sort of stuff like liking um a boy band or a reality tv show as compared to being embarrassed by that stuff in the past i think we could have a bit more of a happy medium i think it's gone a little bit too far for my tastes (laughs) like (laughs) i think there's stuff that's just like corporate there's some stuff that just sounds corporate to me and i don't like that like i don't want to feel a record company or a producer like i don't want to feel their imprint Mm -hmm on a young female artist, particularly, you know what I mean? Like I, I, in my dream world as a music fan, I'd like to see an 18 year old female singer songwriter with a 20 year old female producer. Yeah. Who's like music coming from the world, not coming from within the industry, coming from within the world that the the perspective is coming from. And I think, I, I think you can have both. Like, I think you can make music that works on a level that connects with everybody, but it's done with an independent spirit. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just not into like the, the corporate side where it's like every song has 40 songwriters on it. And it's like the vocals have been fixed on everything so much. And like, I just, it just doesn't interest me personally. I mean, look, there's room for all of it. It's just what, what the, the double-edged sword with Australia, with being a musician is, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You have to play broad to have a career and sustain yourself, right? Even if that means like getting Triple J's approval, that's still like a major gatekeeper so that Mm -hmm. you can have a career. Um, and the, look, the upside of that is you're starting to see, like, I think more ambition. You're starting to see, like I said, like Georgia, like, you know, like people wanting to be bigger and better and great, but the, the danger is that things aren't maybe given the time to develop outside of the spotlight and from an independent place, like from within a scene, like yeah. how can a scene develop if everyone's signed right away after putting one song up on Spotify? Well, yeah, the scene thing is interesting going back to the songs that you chose because you've chosen artists like Smudge and Hard Ons and Love Positions and Girling who are all very much seen bands in the 90s, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, like, it's so funny because people say to me, like, oh, you've made a lot of records. I was like, really? Like, in a 30-year career, I've made, like, 20? By indie rock standards in the 90s, that was, like, not much. Like but, all yeah. those artists were making like three records a year with different projects, side projects, collaborations. That's what I come from. So I, I always viewed it as like, I mean, this is the elitist part of me that maybe like some people don't agree with, but I've actually always cared more about what other artists think of my work than the audience. Like I've always wanted to make music for like my scene, whatever that is, whoever I'm yeah. hanging out with, like, I care about that, you know, um, like I want, I want to be in conversation with my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, look, Hey, the anonymous public, it's amazing. Woo. They like me, you know, but, but it's when you're an artist, you respect you digs what you're doing and you have that it's very specific. And maybe that's been destructive in my life. Cause I hear a lot of people say, Oh, Ben Lee, he's like an artist's artist. You know what I mean? Like a lot of artists, like, except for big hits or whatever, but in general, yeah people that have followed me more like what I'm doing are artists, but I like that. You know, I like the idea that I'm inspiring younger people to take risks and to think outside the box a bit too. But it's a very specific feel of being part of that community as well, isn't it? And the community in Sydney in the nineties, very different to what it was in Melbourne and what it is today. Yeah, but you could have that, you know, like, like we, when we got to Sydney in December, the first thing we did was we wanted, me and my wife, Ioni, we wanted to set up like a monthly variety show, kind of like uh, what we used to do at Largo in LA. And it's like, we just tapped into all the local great up and coming comedians and musicians and like, but you have to foster a scene. You have to create yeah. spaces where it can occur. And, you know, it's like, it's fun, but it takes energy. And if everyone is thinking about the big audience, Mm-hmm. They often skip putting together the cool little things. Yep. Because everyone's like, oh, well, how's that? You know, there's only going to be a hundred people there. What's the point? Well, the point is that becomes a breeding ground for so much creativity and connection that it pays off tenfold, you know? And that's sort of like 
I think why I think it's worth putting energy into those sort of scenes. There's value in that. It's just a different kind of value to maybe what people are encouraged to pursue. Well, it's also, it's, you have to think long-term. Yeah. You know, and I just think we live in a culture now where it's like, I catch myself doing it. Like I can put up a TikTok and I'm interested in the response it's getting. But as soon as I put up another one, I'm like, oh, why are they watching the old one? Because <laughs> <laughs> I only care about the newest thing I've done. Yeah. And so we live in a culture that really thinks about short-term benefit mm-hmm. um, on the newest thing. Yeah. And in a way, I think we do miss depth with some of those experiences. Well, I guess, and the way we consume stuff it rewards the newest thing being the biggest priority as well, isn't it? Streaming, um, social media, all of that rewards. What is current? What is now? What are you doing right now that's more interesting than what you did 10 weeks ago? Yeah. But that's actually like talking about TikTok. That's what I like about that, that like, the way people use music on it is not about what's the newest. Yeah. It's it's essentially about what they can recontextualize and own and make funny or entertaining for themselves. Yeah. Um, And I like that it's sometimes really old or obscure or weird stuff. Like you really see what moves people in an organic way. Well, and it's interesting to see how that evolves. Like where did that start and why is it now the most popular thing? Like what was it about that? And it's so like the idea that like, like I know that people try and make their songs go viral on TikTok or whatever, but pretty much anything that works as a sound on TikTok appears to have been a totally organic moment where someone had a funny idea yeah, and they shared it. It was not going, we have this piece of content. How do we make this, get this across to the most people? How do we get it to the influence? It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I like that democratizing aspect of it, you know? What's well, in the hands of the listeners, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, fascinating. Um, the new single, it's representative of the album that is coming out, would you say? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. And you've got a film clip that's uh, been produced for it? Oh, man, it's insane. You haven't seen it, right? I haven't seen it. Okay, it comes out on Friday. I did it with this guy, Byron Spencer, who's just yep. like this genius visual guy <laughs> and uh and my i was just like i started seeing his work pop up i saw the genesis owusu video and i saw his instagram i was like this guy gets it this guy understands collage high culture trash culture um <laughs> john waters crazy anime like the whole thing i just i got what he was doing and yep. i knew he would and so we just created a world together and it's uh it's really cool that's sick. And I, I, it's funny because there's so much color in a lot of the stuff I've been seeing about the new record. Yeah. As, and that kind of is a bit of a theme of some really cool artists right now is using really vibrant color. Was that something that you always wanted to do with it because of the nature of the record or it was just something you were feeling at the time or where did that come from? I mean, I love color. Like I just always, um, I'm always drawn to like bright, colors it it, it just seems kind of like it's the childlike aspect of it yeah Um, I've always liked it and um yeah I don't know why I mean the the color the way people use color now is also interesting probably because of social media too that you're also trying to grab people's attention Mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time like as they're scrolling basically and so the more dynamic the more arresting the more colorful an image is the more chance you have 
from a marketing level of like actually grabbing their eyeballs. Yeah. And, but instead of like being scared of that, I was like, when me and Byron were talking about the video, he was like, is this too far? Like he showed me a couple of things <laughs> and I was like, dude, more is more. Let's just go for it. <laughs> and it's a feast for the eyeballs, you know? Amazing. We will link that in the show notes as well, everyone. Cool. Um, and just one final question for you that I ask everyone, uh, sure. who's your current favorite Australian artist and where, what sort of stuff should we be looking at from them? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I love, I mean, I, I think everything Georgia Mac is doing at the moment is just killer from yeah. like, I heard the new Camp Cope record, which is amazing. I've heard her upcoming solo. I think she's got a single coming out very soon that is just like one of my favorite songs of the year. Wow. Um, I think Amel and the Sniffers are amazing. Um, Lisa Mitchell, who I always love. She's got a record coming out. I'm excited to hear. Um, Trying to think. I love Genesis Owusu. I thought he was really good. A lot of the rap stuff I really like. Like, um, oh, I love Dreaming Now. I think he's a really good, he's an indigenous rapper. That's kind of like, it's almost like, it's a little political, but it's, I was talking to him about it. He's like, it's not political, it's spiritual. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. man, it's like Bob Marley. You know, it's like, it's like the politics are from a place of, wanting to heal yeah you know um so i was really moved by him um so yeah i don't know tons of stuff yeah tons of stuff i mean there is a lot it feels given the what we've kind of been going through the past 18 months or so it feels almost like you could think that it's stagnant within the industry right now but there's still heaps of great stuff happening yeah it's just no gigs i mean i think everyone's being very creative at home yeah no gigs no nothing it's very sad um yeah thank you so much for joining me and we will have a playlist of all the songs you've suggested okay uh, available with this including your new song born for this bullshit um hopefully we can have some gigs soon hopefully yeah fingers crossed next year until then is there anything else you want to shout out uh not particularly <laughs> follow you on tiktok is the message yeah, is that what sure. the message is yeah, yeah. I mean, and on you know, twitter like people can find me there like i'm all, i'm on my socials just doing my thing entertaining myself so yeah <laughs> i have been i have been enjoying the twitter i'll, I'll be cool. honest twitter i love the place it's fun. it is a good place yeah yeah um thank you so much ben lee cool. for joining me take it easy see ya sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.